So, are you really my mother? The name Spool doesn't mean anything to you? No, should it? It was Norma Bates' maiden name. The woman you thought was your mother was my sister. I had you when I was very young, out of wedlock. I couldn't handle a brand new baby. Especially uh, being by myself, I... I had some trouble, and the state put me away for a while. That's when Norma took you in. You were less than a year old. Too young to remember me. She never mentioned me, did she? No, she, uh, she didn't. I guess she didn't want you to know you had a mother who wasn't quite right. But we know all about that, don't we, Norman? After I got out, you'd already had your troubles and been committed. I decided to wait for you. And then when I saw what they were trying to do to my poor little boy, I couldn't stand it. So I followed them. And one by one, after all, you're all I have in this world. You're sure you won't have a sandwich? Pardon? theory my name is webb and this is my co-host mike and it's october and october means horror movies i've even uh, put all the superhero stuff on hold in my comics and i'm reading horror comics so i'm really excited to talk horror movies. <laughs> those were the diehard tit listeners uh with a sigh of relief like oh thank god no more comic book <laughs> references for at least this month well we'll see maybe. we'll see maybe yeah we kick off our horror trilogy for the month with whew, a film that I can't believe exists. And I think most people can't either. And most people, I, I, I would imagine, don't even know that it exists. And that's Psycho 2 from 1983. Now, what's funny is the year prior, I think, the author Robert Block was writing a Psycho 2, not adaptation, but like a, a novel and the pitch for his book was really funny, and I think the studio uh, kind of shut it down. He wanted to do a Norman Bates escaping from the mental institution and, and traveling to Hollywood to stop the production of a film that was based on his life. So essentially, they wanted to make Jay and Silent Bob strike back, but with Norman Bates, and that got the kibosh. And after watching Psycho 2, it's a movie, in my opinion, that is better than it has any right to be, but I kind of want to see Norman Bates strikes back. I think we as a human race won in this regard because I don't think that they will make, they would have made a film as good as uh, Kevin Smith's 
Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, I agree with you that it's it's cute. I, in some regards, I guess it's uh, Scream 3. If you're into slash movies, you kind of get that as well. Don't they go to Hollywood in that one? And you and I were talking a little bit before this about both of our weekend mistakes. Not for uh, the uh, selected films of uh, Trilogy in Theory, although tune in next episode if you want to hear a uh, mistake. <laughs> but we watched uh, Halloween Kills this weekend, which released on peacock and apparently very successfully nationwide in theaters i think that if you uh if you want that type of thing i didn't like scream 3 when it came out in 2000 but i'd still go with it over halloween kills as far as sidelining our <laughs> yeah. scream queen for most of them uh if memory serves i believe nev campbell is like in the woods for most of the uh, events of the film before he's called back into it i agree with you on psycho 2 we, we had discussed this I don't think it was for Trilogy in Theory, but you did you purchase this on iTunes? It was on sale. You you made some sort of discovery where you're like, you know what? I'm going to watch the second Psycho. And uh, you asked me what I thought. And I had a memory, a distant memory of catching the Psycho sequels on like a TBS marathon back in the, the cable days. And I didn't remember much about it. The only one I guess I remembered was Psycho 4. I think that's the prequel one, correct? When it goes back to Norman's childhood, which... Uh, most people now, if they're into this type of thing, probably would choose to go with the uh, successful tele- television series Bates Motel for that that type of thing, even though it's a modern setting. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this, watching it. I didn't remember the premise other than the, uh, I guess, the sort of kitsch factor of having, like, Norman Bates again. <laughs> Let's see if he's still crazy, which <laughs> isn't the most, like, sort of progressive marketing hook. And then I realized that the film itself is just full of people who are incredibly cruel to the psychopath <laughs> and are just just needling him and pushing his buttons to see if he will slice them in the face again. It's a it's a bold tactic, but it makes for a very entertaining if kind of trashy film, but not quite as trashy as probably, probably what you remember about other other 80s slasher movies. This one's still sits kind of removed from that it's starting to dip its toes into the water of bringing up the the 1960s psycho which is you know called an original slasher film into the 80s i don't know was this one successful when it came out as you said it's sort of a curiosity now but was it a financial hit at the time yes it was i think it made like eight million dollars in its opening weekend which probably peanuts obviously now but the budget was like five million and it went on to do um like $30, $35 million, I think. So and there was at least initial interest in the return of Norma Bates. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Tom Holland, the guy who wrote it, who is, you know, a, an important deal in the horror genre. Fright was ver- Night. <laughs> Child's Play, more like it, for me. <laughs> he He was very worried about writing the script, and he approached the project, he said, with a lot of trepidation, because you're writing Psycho 2, you know, how do you follow up that? And it's frustrating because uh, the director, who's a big Hitchcock fan, he, like, owns Technicolor film prints of Hitchcock's films, and he also hung out with a guy on the set of uh, Topaz. So you've got the director, Richard Franklin, who, in one of those, uh, I guess, talking head interviews or something for maybe promotion of the film, stated that they weren't making this sequel because the first one was such a successful hit. Uh, They're making the sequel because they truly believe that there's more story to tell about Norman Bates. And I think that's bull-oney. It just is. In fact, they have to retcon 
the ending of the first film in order to justify this one. And we can get into that a little bit later. So I don't think that there is a... Very few sequels. Very few sequels have an organic, like, well, of course this is the story that needs to be told. Very few of them. Uh, and this is definitely not one. I What we got, I think, is still pretty solid. Uh, again, you have good people involved. Dean Cundy is a wonderful cinematographer, and so he the film looks very, very good. Uh, you've got a pretty good cast who Dennis Franz is the best, and he's here because of his success with the um, the De Palma stuff that he had. Always a sleazeball, at least until NYPD Blue when he <laughs> yeah. got to play an alcoholic, a reformed sleazeball cop, maybe, who has now just got a heavy heart. What a left turn. Hey, I mean, yeah, he went on to have a great career. and Up on George Costanza's wall. That's, where he's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the know... ultimate Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, one of the running gags that I realized occurred last month was like, why didn't De Palma direct this? And for this film... He was offered it, but turned it down, and I think that's kind of cute. I feel like he loves to play in that toy box, but doesn't want to play with the original <laughs> toy models. I don't know, this metaphor fell apart real quick, so I apologize. Oh, no, um, that's in the uh, New York Times review for this. Uh, Vincent Canby wrote, It has all the characteristics of a conventional sequel to Hitchcock's 1960s classic, but as you watch it, you may feel as if you're seeing a couple of precocious film students play with the artifacts found in Hitchcock's mausoleum. You're right there. Right there with the pros. They're going going for that. Did you see this Washington Post review here on the, the wiki page for it? Gary Arnold just went off. Ooh, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> let's see. Referring to the film as, quote, a travesty masquerading as a sequel. <laughs> if the director here, Franklin, had any respect for the source material, he might feel a little protective and avoid outrageous as conceptually as well as literally nasty as the treatment of Vera Miles' character. Psycho 2 transforms her once sympathetic heroic supporting role into a hateful bit part and then kills her with a kills her off with a revoltingly obscene flourish. Has movies has movie storytelling broken down this grotesquely in 23 years. Oh. Damn. <laughs> Not a fan. Here's the thing. You're in the 80s now, and the horror, and specifically the slasher genre, has really evolved very, very quickly. And with the advent of special effects and some of the really grotesque things that can be done, it's just natural for Psycho 2 to embrace that aspect of the genre, because that's, I mean, Psycho kick-started that aspect. And... It needs to balance the two. It needs still to be kind of classically and character-driven the way the original was, but not to alienate modern audiences who come to see uh, the kills. And I, I don't quite know if it balances it. I think what it, ha what it has going for it is it has a pretty good script, and it's got a pretty good cast that kind of brings the material a lot of legitimacy I love Meg Tilly in this film. She's so good. She's got that girl next door thing going on, but obviously, you know, it goes horribly wrong in the film. Uh, you're alone on that. Did you read that uh, Anthony Perkins uh, tried to get her fired? Yes. <laughs> because she, I mean, it's kind of innocuous, but I mean, I, I understand the, the insult that he took. She had never seen Psycho apparently grew up uh, in a family that didn't allow her to watch television or movies. Uh, so she, you know, I wonder how you end up 
uh, in the Hollywood community as far as getting cast in something like Psycho 2 and uh, also The Big Chill, right? Probably more uh, famously. Um, I do want to shout out to my own Letterboxd account where I proudly put Psycho 2 above The Big Chill in the best of 1983 this weekend. Uh, but she just made the offhand remark. Uh, she didn't understand the hype behind Psycho 2. Maybe she did think, oh, this is just like, let me work my way uh, up the ladder and I'll do this slasher film. Uh, she did not understand the importance of a sequel to Psycho and just <laughs> wondered, why is everyone so interested in Anthony Perkins in this role? <laughs> and he overheard that. <laughs> and after they had filmed like half of her scenes, was like, fire her, replace her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is actually a little bit of mystique behind this because Tom Holland mentioned uh, in a documentary called The Psycho Legacy that he felt that she was doing such a good job. She was overshadowing Anthony Perkins' performance, and he became very aware of that, and he wanted her gone because of that. So she was going toe-to-toe with this supposed legend. And to be fair, Anthony Perkins is not this acting legend. I actually prefer his uh, role in Orson Welles' The, the, the Trial, uh, more so than Norman Bates. It's just Norman Bates is the iconic performance. I don't think he does... And he... Here's the thing. The first one was 20 plus years before. And so he still had that odd boyish charm in the role, at least before uh, you realize what's happening in the film. And you you put that 20 years later and it's creepy. And I guess maybe that's the point. But his performance <laughs> is uh, the weird humor. Uh, the lines I like, know exactly what you mean. I don't kill people anymore, remember? It's like, why, is, why are these things being said by him? I had it's the same odd. thought. I was for another podcast watching the first Wives Club, which I'd never seen. Um, I don't think it's a shocker that uh, I believe I was 13 when that film came out that uh, it did not speak to me. <laughs> the rich divorcees <laughs> in their you know, 50s and uh, their plot for revenge. Uh, but I'm watching it and it was funny because my wife is actually the one I'm going to blame, uh, you know, my better half and the, the other sex for, for throwing a female kind of their bus uh, as represented by Diane Keaton. But she's trying to she kind of play broad there. And I don't know if it's because she's cast with Goldie Hawn and Bette Midler. Um, but she's doing a lot of stuff that Diane Keaton, the performer, is known for that people find cute and appealing. But when it's presented, and I'm not just speaking that she's too old for this shit. She's playing a character where age is like the defining plot point of this film. It also comes across cross is kind of creepy of like boy i see why your husband left you because if, you're, <laughs> if, if you still think that you're the character uh in annie hall and then you're in your 50s you're like you know what you're a grown-ass adult now like <laughs> none of this is charming anymore <laughs> it's a little different when you're talking about norman bates the man who killed his mother and the guests at his establishment uh but what's funny about this film as a sequel is it is kind of scream like it is kind of meta in that regard and that the characters in the film are like can't you just go back to being norman bates the killer like when are you gonna <laughs> yeah. do that again and it felt like the fan base saying you have no purpose anymore other than to be a murderer would you please start doing that again? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i feel like some audiences decided that he is the hero or anti-hero of the film and there's a lot of sympathy for him in this film and i just don't feel that i feel like Meg Tilly is the or should have been the hero, and it, it, it's very frustrating to see her fall for his 
whatever charms he seems to have. So it's very frustrating. I do before before we uh, move on. I want to get your thoughts on the ending because it's a big left turn. Uh, the the retcon the mythology that his mother in the first one wasn't his mother. I'm not a fan of this at all. And actually, uh, Psycho Three undoes Psycho Two's ending. I don't remember much about that film. It's quite bad. <laughs> Wait, a few months ago, did you go through the whole series just on a whim? I, I went through Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. And the reason that I think I even talked about Psycho 2 and Psycho 3 initially was because uh, Scream Factory, the Shout Factory sub-company or a sub-label. Another, dis- yeah, label, yeah. Yeah, decided to release collector's editions of 2 and 3, but not 4. So, uh, yeah, and, and uh, from what I understand, 4 is not very good. I think it kind of, uh, it, it's a reimagining. Ultimately, though, I, I was not a fan of the way that... And once you mess with the mythology, then you lose any kind of organic reason to exist. Thankfully, though, we got that sweet shovel shot at the end, which was <laughs> I, I, shocking to me. And I actually go back and... Re- and I, I, what I, did, I, I was like, I need to know how they did this. And so I kept rewinding it and watching it in slow motion to make sure it was one continuous shot. It's, it must be like a, a, a soft shovel because, boy, he does not let up. Like it, that, He swings it with some vigor, uh, and, and it must be the sound design. That would be um, the moment in uh, the movie Seven where Morgan Freeman's detective um, lets Brad Pitt's character know that the FBI maintains a database of people and the, the content they consume. Uh, I don't know how Webb... Uh, chose to watch this scene where Norman Bates takes a shovel to the back of a woman's head. Uh, but that would be the point where it's like, all right, we have a uh, red alert here. There's a man uh, that does this podcast that's moderately successful. And apparently he's just going back into the left on this old woman <laughs> patched in the head yeah. by Norman Bates. I, uh, okay, I'll just go ahead and say full on spoiler alert, I guess, for. At least for us, one of our the older films, uh, not quite getting into classic 50s cinema, but uh, I don't think we dabbled too much in the 80s. I don't think this is a decade that's been that represented on, on this show. <laughs> yeah, the whole film has been one big uh, gaslight palooza, uh, which I, I enjoyed because we often in thrillers, it's women uh, being taken advantage of by... Um, you know, mischievous, I guess, to put it uh, kindly, men, uh, malicious, more like uh, for those type of films. Uh, and here it's, it's you know, as you said, the poor hero, poor sociopath, <laughs> Norman Bates. <laughs> they just won't let retire from killing. Like They're yeah. going to make him do it again. I enjoyed all of that. It did feel like an unnecessary turn that they reveal, I guess, in at least in Psycho 2, as Webb said, not carrying on to 3. And the mythology of Norman Bates on film, that his mother was not actually his biological mother, um, that his his actual mother had some sort of mental uh, instability and had to give him up at a young age. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Mrs. Bates that we know was his mother. That's that's who uh, I, I don't know. Is the point of this that they're trying to say that it's more biological, his problems? Because I would say, no, it's probably the... Uh, mental trauma that he suffered at the hands of a domineering old woman uh, that caused all of this, not the fact that his mother uh, was institutionalized and is now back. 
<laughs> but I basically took it more as you're just a physical prop. He just needs an old lady's dead body to put in the window. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. He, he seems totally unconcerned with this revelation. So I felt like I shouldn't be concerned with it either. It doesn't affect him. He's just like, oh, look, an old hag. Here's a shovel and I'm going to dress you up and you're going to have a nice view in death. <laughs> right. <laughs> Looking out. <laughs> if If they were... If Tom Holland was trying to do a nature versus nurture, you know, exploration, that would have been interesting. But the script is more than anything else an excuse to play in the Psycho universe. That's that's really what, or, or at least to create a universe beyond the events of the first film, which is fine. That's okay. Uh, there's never been a sequel that I'm like, oh, well, now I can't watch the original. You know, there's, I don't think I've ever had that moment. Uh, so that's all right. Uh, we, we got something very interesting at the very least. And so, uh, and hey, I, I got to watch uh, Meg Tilly be uh, wonderfully charming for much of the film, even though, oh boy. And her butt, or at least a stunt Ooh, butt with yes. uh, Norman's uh, peephole. Uh, That's right. Play there. Um, I did enjoy the um, the characters themselves in this film seemingly being experts on the Bates Motel uh, hijinks and pranks. It would be like if they made a sequel to Home Alone uh, where the Sticky Bandits actually learned a thing or two. You know, In that series, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern don't seem to learn anything no. about who they're up against. Uh, but in this one here, Meg Tilly, she's aware of the people. She's aware of, uh, you know, it's a bring your old lady clothes to the party, bring a wig, uh, try to have a conversation with them where you don't even disguise your voice on the phone. You just say, Hey, this is mother. (laughs) 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 Fix me a sandwich. (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fun here. It's if it wasn't associated with the Hitchcock classic, like, and we're, we're talking classic with a capital C all timer. Um, I feel like if this was its own original premise, if it could be, uh, which is hard to separate it from, as I said, that meta commentary on it being a sequel, uh, this would have a lot of charms to it. I, I feel like probably the reason why it gets dismissed is the same reason like when we had that conversation off mic months ago. I was like, I don't really remember much. It feels like if you're a film fan in some ways, like, I don't need to waste my time with that. Obviously, like, that's disparaging the great man's legacy, Alfred Hitchcock. Why would I do that? Uh but it's it's not bad for like an eighties like slasher movie. It's kind of, it's I don't know. It's fun. I'm actually I'm not just saying that because I spent five dollars and twenty nine cents on it on iTunes. <laughs> but now it does proudly sit in my library, and I probably would watch it again. I don't know if I would do another podcast on it because I don't know how much more you can get out of it. But if I'm just in the mood for something fun in October, that you could do a lot worse than this. Hitchcock's daughter. Uh, gave it a big thumbs up when she when the producers went to her and like hey what do you think about doing this she said oh my father would have loved it he would have loved doing a sequel to this so it was i guess from the hitchcock estate it was given the go-ahead and and um the nod so yeah right on right on okay side question his films have been remade and uh i think of something like perfect murder yeah the um i think i liked the remake better on uh the man who knew too much right I was thinking of the Gwyneth Paltrow, Michael Douglas movie from 98, uh, Perfect Murder, being a remake of Doll M for Murder. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't think people think of that as like, oh, how could they go back on Hitch's Ground again? I don't know if it's a different title uh, or if it's just that 
the premise of that is less uh, precise. Uh, you know, you're using the base motel, the iconic imagery. They they start in this one with the shower sequence. What did what did you think of that? Did you enjoy that or Nonsense. no? It's like why? I I thought it was a product of its time. Like, hey, you've not, you know, at, I don't know. Video is it's the advent of VHS becoming very popular in home media entertainment. Maybe it's just like, hey, you've not seen the shower sequence in a while. Let's start with the greatest hits before <laughs> yeah. we get into our own personal cover band of Hitchcock. In 2021, I, I, this is before I had seen the film. So the first time I'm watching it, 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 I watch the shower scene and then it moves on to the film. And I'm like, man, I just want to go back and watch the I want to watch Psycho <laughs> 1. I don't want to risk my time with Psycho 2. We say that at the, the end of our episode on it for our dear listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wasted all of your time on this. shit out man the internet let's see if those fucks wrote something new about us or that stupid ass flick any movie based on jane silent bob are gonna lick balls because they both in fact lick balls motherfucker it's time we wrote something back type this shit down all you motherfuckers are gonna pay you are the ones who are the ball lickers we're going to fuck your mothers while you watch and cry like little whiny bitches. Once we get to Hollywood and find those Miramax fucks who was making the movie, we're going to make them eat our shit, then shit out our shit, and then eat their shit that's made up of our shit that we made them eat. And then all you motherfuckers are next. Love, Jay and Silent Bob. That'll show those fucks. Now we can eat our egg and movie muffin, then get back on the road, go to Hollywood, and stop those fucks from making that movie.